Hi, everyone. Welcome to Santa Clara Ventures Podcast. I'm your host, Ishan Call. Our guest today is the founder of Virtually. It's my pleasure to introduce Ish Bade. Thank you for taking the time to come on our show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. The pleasure is all ours. Um, you know, I always like starting off with a little bit about you and how you got into like the world of startups. So, you know, how did you make your way into this, uh, into this world and come up with the idea for Virtually? Yeah, totally. I mean, a part of me just has always loved building. You know, I think I've always just had the creative juices and needed an outlet. And when I was younger, it was through writing music, uh, through building in kind of virtual environments, through video games like Halo or RuneScape or things like that. And then when I could learn to code, um, that's when it really took hold of me. Is uh, I remember my junior year, year in high school, I actually built this uh, Android app. Android was still pretty new. App development was pretty new. Smartphones, that entire ecosystem was new. And so I was just curious what it would be like to build like an app from scratch. And, and that's exactly what I ended up doing. And honestly, I was so shocked. I put it out there and without really much effort from my end, it just started getting like growing like really rapidly. And I think it reached 20, 25,000 people globally. And, uh, that's when it really hit me is that how much impact you could have on the world by writing software. You know, it just blew my mind that like random strangers around the world that I had never met were using my software like every single day. That was just really fulfilling. And so, you know, I kept the trend going when I was in college, I would always be working on side projects. I'd always be attending hackathons, always tinkering uh, with side projects. And then eventually, you know, ran my first venture back startup um, right out of college, ran that in LA for about six months, uh, left because it wasn't just like the perfect fit for me, worked at Facebook for about a year and a half as a full-time software engineer. And then right around that time, uh, I left to start virtually. And, and the idea behind virtually was this, you know, fundamental thesis that, you know, pre-internet colleges were pretty great places to go and learn really relevant skills. Uh, but there was something that happened as soon as the internet emerged, there was just this really rapid dissemination of information. And what ended up happening was industries started evolving really fast and colleges pretty much stayed the same. And, and what ended up happening was creating this delta. And, and you know, I, I kind of realized that the college professors, they're great academics, they're great researchers, but a lot of them have never been in industry or if they have been, it's been so long ago that their skills aren't even relevant anymore. And so it, it just kind of dawned on me that like, hey, like the best people to be learning from are, are these industry experts. But they don't have, you know, a lot of them are phenomenal teachers, but they don't have the resources of a university, like a registrar department or a marketing department or a finance department. And the logistics of running your own, like, university, even a micro one, is just daunting. And it would definitely, you know, make it so that somebody wouldn't, wouldn't try to do that. But we wanted to make that more accessible. And so that's exactly what virtually is. It's, it's the infrastructure there. And, and today, you can kind of think of us as the Shopify for online schools. We help build and scale online schools by bringing together payments, live classes, and student management. Gotcha. I totally love that. You know, personally, I'm a big fan of your mission, and I, I believe the timing couldn't be, like, couldn't be better. So, like, you know, what were some of the first steps that you took to make virtually a reality? Yeah, I mean, it just starts with taking the leap, right? I think that, like, most people, uh, especially once you're in big tech, you get kind of roped in with the uh, golden handcuffs, right? The pay is just phenomenal. You get all these wonderful perks, 
why would you ever want to leave? And, and for me, the realization really came from, you know, a six month period at Facebook where I was just deeply unhappy. Uh, I was like, my sole job was to optimize ad clicks and I couldn't help but think how, how boring the task was and how there were all these unsolved problems in the world. And I thought I could, could have been doing so much more. I thought I had so much more potential. And so I realized that if I had, st if I continued to stay at Facebook, I would just, the golden handcuffs, the grip would just get tighter and tighter. And so I had to, I had to get out of there early. I had to make it so that I could, you know, have the opportunity to go out and build something of my own. And uh, yeah, I think the, the getting started with virtue was as simple as just making the decision to quit and, and start working on it. Obviously there's some planning that has to go into it. It's, you know, obviously you can't just uh, pay, you, you need to have enough uh, capital to work on something like this. So I, I'd probably spend probably eight months, eight to 10 months while I was Facebook at Facebook just completely saving the majority of my income, knowing that, hey, I want to take a year off and, and, and work on something on my own. So I had to plan ahead there. Then once, once I had enough capital to go a year without working, took the leap, started working on virtually. And then honestly, it's what I tell people is that it almost doesn't matter what your initial idea is. Like if you fast forward a year, the product will be completely different. Maybe even the customers, maybe even the market, everything will be different. So it doesn't matter where you start. What's more important is that you do start and you iterate. You consistently iterate. You try new things. You figure out what works, what doesn't, right? It, how often is it the chance that you get, you know, jackpot on the first, first attempt? It's, it's rare, right? And, and, and honestly, I'd, I'd say it's, it's so rare that it, it doesn't really happen. Like any, any like overnight success stories that you've ever heard, there's so much backstory. You, you hear, there's all this failure that came before, right? Um, and so it's all about just iterating and learning what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. I love how you went into the fact that, you know, you kind of just got to start, you know, you have to, you have to learn like throughout the whole process or even if you fail, right, you're just learning, you're, you know, you're learning ways that don't work, right? And then eventually you figure out ways that do work and figure out what you actually want to do. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when you joined Facebook right out of college, did you see yourself staying there at first or did you see it just as like a stepping stone to your next project? I, I really didn't see myself staying there for the long term. I had just come from the startup world and, and I knew how exhilarating it was. And so part of me knew that it was temporary, but while I was there, I did want to take advantage of the amazing kind of town pool. And so I tried to find some amazing mentors. I tried to learn as many different technologies as possible. I tried to learn about collaboration and teamwork and communication. And, and those are all still skills that I use on a regular basis. Um, but, but yes, I, I'd probably say it was a stepping stone. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, you know, you first co-founded uh, the Edible Project, you know, and then how did that experience kind of help you develop and prepare you for it virtually? Yeah, so uh, Edible was my very first venture back startup. I had initially started working on it when I was a junior at the University of Michigan. And we just kind of kept working on it up until right around the time we were able to graduate. We had actually started to see a little bit of traction. And some VCs approached us and they said, hey, do you want, do you want some funding? And we're like, sure. That, I mean, yeah. And so we ended up getting raising a little bit of a small pre-seed round, moved out to LA and, and ran that about six months and it was 
it was a clo- it was a colossal disaster. Like I think I made every mistake in the book, um, and and I'm really glad I did because I mean those were like learnings that directly helped prepare me for virtually. You know, I, I I will never make those mistakes again because how painful they were. And and I think most of those mistakes just came down to ego and and also not communicating. Um, so me and my co-founder. Uh, I think we would get into too many arguments where it wasn't about the product or the market or the customers. It was about being right. And arguments should never be for the sake of being right. It should be for the sake of getting to the truth. You're on the same team. You're trying to accomplish the same thing. So it should be collaborative, not adversarial. And so um, I think that was that was a huge bottleneck for, for the business because if you and your co-founder can't be on the same page, the company is going to suffer for it. And letting those kind of issues pester under the surface led to a situation where there was just this massive explosion and then um, a falling out. So I, I really recommend that like anybody that uh, is thinking of working with anybody else that you, you, you align with the person, you get on the same page, that's really important. Uh, and, and you keep ego low. You know, that, that's, it should be, it should be a, you guys are on the same team, you're trying to do the same thing. Uh, and and just really effectively communicate and and so probably that was the biggest takeaway. So well now when I now I'm at virtually I'm, you know the the company's raised a couple of rounds of funding. We have five full time employees and so you know I have to make sure that I'm you know building good relationships with each each one of my employees. Uh, and and you know I think if it wasn't for the lessons I learned during Edible, um, I think like we might be in trouble to some, to some degree. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. I, I love the fact that you went into the ego part. You know, that's definitely one of those things where if you don't realize it or see it, it can really, um, you know, destroy you and destroy your relationships. So absolutely. Um, you know, I see you're also a, a, a Kairos executive as well. You know, could you tell us more about that program and how you got involved in that? Yeah. Yeah. Kairos was a program basically just a network of really ambitious college students. Uh, I got involved uh, because a friend of mine uh, was the director for the Michigan chapter. Uh, I met some of the other Kairos fellows. They seemed like super impressive. It seemed like a community that I wanted to be a part of. And uh, after I was a part of it for a little bit, I, I had just moved to Seattle and I reached out to kind of the headquarters and I was like, hey, I'd love to you know bring this out to Seattle. Uh, I think it's something that we could really use out here. And, and so they, yeah, they helped, helped me do that. Uh, since then, the program has kind of shut down, so it's uh, no longer active. Um, but it was it was a good experience, and I met some wonderful individuals through it. Got you, absolutely. It sounds like a great experience. Um, you know, one of the unique things that I saw about virtually was like you guys added this income share agreement as a payment option. Could you kind of explain how this agreement works exactly? Yeah, totally. Uh, this is actually one of the things that like Lambda School is really known for popularizing, which is the idea of like aligning incentives between students and institution, right? A lot of colleges, you know, if, if they, you know, provide you this education and then you go out and try to find a job and you can't, that's on you, right? You still owe the college a hundred or $200,000. Whereas with an ISA, the idea is that you only pay back the institution if and only if you land a job within the industry for which you were trained. And so the idea is, once you land a job, you will pay a percentage of your salary back to the institution over a set number of years. And so 
you know, we want to make this kind of mechanism available to more and more programs. And so we have a strategic partnership with another YC company that basically handles all, all the technical aspects and, and the paperwork uh, behind this. But yeah, if there's programs out there who want to use an ISA to host these kind of programs, to host these uh, in micro institutions on virtually, uh, we, we can help uh, administer the ISA. Gotcha, absolutely. That's actually very interesting. I never um, actually heard about that, even through the Lambda School for some reason. But absolutely, that's amazing. Um, you know, you guys chose to go down this uh, Y Combinator route. You know, what made you decide to go down the Startup Accelerator route? Yeah, I mean, YC is one of the most prestigious startup accelerators in the world, right? And the network is just, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, you have founders who, you know, started unicorn companies like Stripe, Airbnb, Dropbox, DoorDash, Instacart. And the list just goes on. And so like the, the access to the mentorship, the access to this network is just absolutely valuable. And so I, I had applied to YC six times, four of the times I had gotten invited to an interview, two of the interviews I actually showed up for, and then the most recent one, uh, I finally got admitted. And so uh, if you're lucky enough to get accepted into YC, I highly recommend it. It's one of the most uh, rewarding and challenging three months of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, what was the most challenging and then what was the most helpful part of the YC program? Yeah, I guess challenging is just, you're surrounded by, by around some of the best startup minds in, in the industry. Right. And so it's, it's hard not to feel imposter syndrome, right. And, and feel intimidated uh, by how well some of these companies are doing. So I think that's really challenging. Another thing that's really challenging is to consistently grow like throughout the program. Like there's this focus on like, you have to grow uh, as a company. You have to get revenue. You have to sign contracts. And uh, what was most helpful? What was most helpful was likely just uh, just just the mentors, the YC partners, the the community, right? Like it's unbelievable how helpful they are. Uh, I mean, partners they've seen, they've helped and mentored hundreds, if not thousands, of companies. And so, like the experience that they have. Is, is just absolutely invaluable. Absolutely. You know, you, you, your class was kind of a special class. You know, you were part of the first uh, fully virtual class at YC. So like, how was that experience and how did, how did that, do you think, differed from having it in person? Yeah, 100%. It was, uh, I will say community was a lot harder, right? Uh, YC, one of the things it's known for is like every Tuesdays that there's these founder dinners where you get to watch a talk from a reputable individual in, uh, in Silicon Valley, these are often uh, YC alum, and you get to kind of have dinner with the other people in your batch. But again, because it was virtual, we never did the dinners. And uh, so I, I feel like I didn't get to build as much of a, as deep of a relationship with the other YC founders as I would have otherwise. Uh, but there were some things that worked really well. I mean, like with, with a virtual environment, I think what was really great was that there was no commuting, right? All this time that would get sucked away uh, with commuting would just go away. Uh, the idea is that you also, instead of spending 60K on rent in San Francisco, uh, you get to actually stay at home, stay close to your customers, and, and you save a lot of capital. And that's capital that you can invest back in the business, right? Because every YC company in my badge, they received 150K of investment, right? And so, again, more of that capital can be utilized for business expenses. So that was very advantageous as well. Absolutely. I could totally see that. 
Um, you know, YC is like one of the best or, you know, if not the best accelerator program out there, you know, what do you believe like differentiates them from others? Like, you know, 500 startups, tech stars. Yeah, I, I in a lot of ways, I, I think it's the culture, right? I think the focus on don't play entrepreneur. It's so tempting to want to do the things that you feel like are important to building a business like networking or talking to investors. YC only cares on what matters and they will push you and they will grill you to make sure that you're not getting distracted because none of those things matter at the end. Like, sure, you could, you could go out there, talk to investors, raise millions of dollars, but at the end of the day, are you building something valuable to the world? It's something incredibly hard, but it's also one of the most fulfilling parts of your life if, if you're able to pull it off and you can, it, you can have just so much impact on the world if you're successful, right? And it's really hard to do and you can't do it if you're focused on the wrong challenges. And so everybody wants to like, you know, brag about how many employees they have or, you know, how they have these hiring guidelines or they're doing HR policy or stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What matters is, do you have customers? Do you have revenue? Are you building a sustainable business? And most people die because they're not able to answer those questions. And so what makes YC different than sort of accelerators out there? It's, it's the culture. It's, it's, the ruthless focus on what matters. Gotcha. I absolutely love that. I could totally see that being a very, very significant differentiating factor. Um, you know, you also recently got seed funding after finishing the YC program. You know, how did you decide upon Tiger Global Management? Um, and also, like, how did you guys come up to your valuation? Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, we spoke with tons and tons of firms and investors. Uh, we really wanted to go with somebody who really believed in the vision and, and could, could provide a lot of value to the company through founder introductions, through expertise in the space. And it just seemed like Tiger Global was a good fit. You know, I think there's kind of a dating process that happens with racing around and, and it just, I think there was just a really good rapport. Uh, and so that, that was a part of it. Uh, what was the other question? Um, how did you guys like come up with the valuation? Obviously it's a little ah, tricky when it right. comes to seed round, but yeah. 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 I mean, a little bit of it is just like, you know, what you can get from the market, right? Uh, YC companies tend to be standardized, uh, between eight and $12 million, uh, cap. Uh, and so it just really depends how far along you are. And so, um, given, given our traction, uh, you know, we had a discussion, a conversation and we came to an understanding on what valuation made most sense. Gotcha. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. Um, you know, what's your ultimate goal for a virtually and you know, where do you see it in five years? Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, we want to completely decouple job training from universities. We, we feel that, you know, job training and reskilling, it should really be in the hands of the people who spend years and years perfecting their crafts. And, you know, they know what, skills are actually relevant. Uh, and, and so we want to empower those individuals to create the next 10,000 of these micro institutions. Um, and, and we really think it's more important now than ever with you know, COVID, you have you know, 51 million Americans who filed for unemployment this year. For them, college is not the right answer. They can't go back to school for four years, learn generally outdated skills in hopes of maybe landing a job one day, Instead, they need job training and reskilling and they need it in a really short period of time and in a really affordable manner. And, and we think these micro institutions, these online schools that we're helping develop will help do that. 
And one of the things that we truly believe in is that removing geography as a barrier to learning is just going to be a huge leap forward for education overall. I couldn't agree with you more there, honestly. I've seen that shift coming for a while now, and I'm, I'm happy that somebody's out there tackling it. Absolutely love to see that. Um, so now we're going to go more into like the, the personal informational questions. Um, you know, this is probably one of my favorite questions to ask. You know, what's your favorite book and why? Yeah, totally. Uh, it's, it's probably, I'd have to say, Shoe Dog, which is, is the memoir by uh, the founder of Nike. It's just a it really reads like a novel and it's just a wonderful story about somebody who spent decades building this business that, you know, frankly, is just this massive success, but it, it took so much effort to actually build and it, it just almost died. It like every single day, it almost died. And somehow, you know, he pushed and pushed and, and it, it, it honestly is just a beautiful story and it's very inspirational. So uh, I love that book. I, I tore through it very quickly. Um, that's a really good one. Uh, I also, mo I'm a big fan of Seth Godin. So most of his books, um, like this is marketing, the dip, uh, purple cow. There, there's, there's a lot of great ones there. Uh, so if, if you're really interested in marketing and figuring out how to change like consumer behavior, I think Seth Godin is, uh, is a great place to go. Gotcha. And I actually got to uh, check out Steph Godin for sure. I, I read Shoe Dog though. That was a really, really fun read. Absolutely amazing to see like how Nike built it up without like, you know, before VC funding was really a thing, you know, taking money from banks, just barely making it by every year. Absolutely amazing to see that. Um, so what habits do you think are most useful to develop for like a successful life or a successful career? I'd say endurance. I think uh, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. I, I don't remember who said that, but it really resonated with me. It's, it's really excited for most people to get excited about a project for like a day or a week or a month, but rarely do people like stick with things over the course of years. And, and I think it's just like, that is where you can actually have impact, right? Um, I think like, even when it comes to things like health, right? Like if you go to the gym, like maybe once or twice, a year, that's not really going to do anything for you, right? You're only going to get the benefits if you stick with it over the course of years. And that really applies to anything. So um, I guess, I, again, I think endurance is rare. And so people who are able to continually dedicate themselves to a craft over a long period of time can have just massive impact on the world. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. That's actually a new one. I haven't heard that one before, but it goes along the lines like discipline, just you know, continuing to go even when you don't feel like doing it. Absolutely. Um, you know, what do you like doing while you aren't working on growing virtually? Yeah, that's a good question. I love, I love just consuming information uh, and learning. All right. I think like it's very core to virtually business, but it's also a passion of mine. Um, so I read a lot listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, I watch a lot of talks on YouTube. Um, yeah, just uh, consuming lots of lots of educational content from people who are uh, much more accomplished than I. Gotcha. Love to hear that. Um, so, I mean, going off of accomplishment, what, what is your biggest accomplishment? Yeah, I mean, honestly, virtually, um, just starting virtually, I think is probably up there. The other one is I... You know, while I was at Facebook, I helped uh, 
build and launch the first iteration of polls and messenger. And so that's something that got, you know, built and shipped and is, has been used by over a billion people. So that's uh, some level of impact. Got you. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Absolutely. You rarely see that kind of impact in like large companies. So definitely amazing. Um, if you hadn't started virtually, which startup would you have liked to work for? Oh, I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else, truly. Like, I, I, if it wasn't going to be virtually, it was going to be another company, but I was, I was going to start my own thing. Gotcha. Absolutely. I'd love to hear that. Full, full entrepreneurship mindset right there. Love it. Um, so that, that was the last question. So that concludes our podcast for today. But thank you so much for coming on, Ish. Um, absolutely amazing talking to you today. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe to Santa Clara Ventures on Spotify and our Anchor page. Please feel free to message us some questions that you want answered in our following podcast episodes. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you join us again for our next episode.